Hello. Hello. Good morning and welcome back. We are everything with the girls. I'm, I nearly said I'm Grace. I'm Lydia. I'm Grace. <laughs> and this week we're discussing the case and crimes of Fritz Harmon. I'm going to say Harmon because I'm sorry Fritz if that's Harman, not how you yeah. pronounce him. Yeah. I'm probably, it's probably not how you pronounce it, but it's, yeah. So it's probably a name that you've never heard of because I know I haven't. I but, hadn't either. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't, again, I haven't read this case before we, we've done it. I think it's quite like, I'm quite enjoying not knowing what's coming. <laughs> yeah. So I found this, I typed in um, like most notorious serial killers on Google because I, I don't know why. If the government ever look at my Google search history, it's going to be a different that. story. But anyway, and I went on the Wikipedia page and there's obviously there's like thousands of people. But this guy was like Germany's highest number. Wow. Okay. They rank him in like how many people you have you killed? And this guy mm. was Germany's number one. Yeah. So how's your week been? It's been okay. What have I done? Nothing. Oh, I had my COVID vaccine on Tuesday. And it Woo-hoo. killed me off. Yeah. And then I've done nothing since. I have to say, I'm on the squeaky chair, so I apologise in advance. It's been a tough week, hasn't it? Tough week for, I think, the whole of the country's mental health, if you ask me. Is it? Well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of those, I don't know. I don't really, like, obviously I have lots of opinions on what's happened with Sarah Everett. To be honest, opinions about the actual case I don't know if I have yet to the basics he's a piece of shit but the actual ins and outs of it like like the details we find when we're talking about other cases do you know what I mean those details Hmm. um I don't think my opinion's gonna change that he's a piece of shit but I think it's the bigger conversation around it that's a bit more hard-hitting definitely yeah and we we weren't sure whether to put on the um thing about our last case yeah, so we're we do pre-record I mean, cases. Yeah. I don't know when this will be uploaded, but we're obviously recording Next it on week. the 13th of March. Mm-hmm. So it's literally all just come out, the whole movement. Like It's like a Me Too part two, isn't it, really? Yeah, Me Too to a whole other level, yeah. But obviously we uploaded, last week we uploaded the case of Junko um, Baruta. Um and obviously, I mean, it's not the same, but it's like a similar case, like a girl kidnapped um, and murdered. So, I mean, I think you'll find a lot of our cases are unfortunate like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like, yeah, but that's the sad truth it's, of it. It's now, same isn't with it? Uh, Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Those girls were just on the way home. Like, unfortunately, that's the situation that happens. Mm. Um, and it shouldn't. But it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's not get political today, though. Let's just Let's have an hour. Let's if, have an I hour. mean, everyone that follows us has seen our post on Instagram. Yeah. So you both, yeah. everyone knows where we stand with it. Two, yeah. we're two young females. Obviously, we've both had to deal with stuff like that in the past. But one hundred percent. For now, we're here to talk about Fritz Harmon. Yes. So grab a cup of tea. And switch off, basically. Oh, yes. And before, Lydia, obviously you don't know this, but before we get into this, a little listener discretion. I mean, for me, it's not too bad. 
it's more like gory and bloody. Okay. Then it is gonna. To like... be honest, I feel like my threshold for like the gore and macabre is higher than yours, so I should be okay. Yeah, that's true. But uh, especially, but it's not jazz, one of those ones like to this. <laughs> you know, when you like the Kate, like James Bulger and stuff, like you know, you have to do a listener discretion because it's children. What, yeah. yeah. This one is just like, uh, there's lots of. It's just a bit gross. Blood and guts and stuff, and it's not very yeah. nice. Mm. So. Yeah. I think I personally definitely need the warnings when it's children involved. Yeah. That, that's that's my limit, really, is that's where I get a bit, ooh, okay. So, let's get into it. Born in Hanover on the 25th of October, 1879, Harmon was the sixth and youngest child born to Johanna and Ollie Harmon. He was a quiet child with few friends his own age who seldom socialised with any children other than his siblings outside of school. I don't think that's not, like, unnormal when you're from a big family. No, I don't think it's weird. Yeah. And um, I don't think he we're was... We're both from big families, so I don't think that's... Obviously, we obviously, he's... This is his case. He is a serial killer. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But he's, like, you know, like, the normal telltale signs of a serial killer when they're kids. I mean... Yeah, okay. being on your own isn't really one It's a bit of, of a stereotype. Okay, yeah. yeah. So from an early age, Harmon's behaviour was noticeably feminine and was known to shun boys' activities and instead played with his sister's dolls. This day and age, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But in the 1800s, that's something that would have been definitely talked about, let's say. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone knows history. So if you don't, go learn about it. That's all I'm saying. He also developed a passion for needlework and cookery and developed a close relationship with his mother, who doted on her youngest child. Again, nothing new with that. Baby of the family is normally the that's best always, That's how it always will be and how it yeah. always has been. 100% was to say it as potential middle childs. <laughs> yeah, we both have middle child syndrome. We're both the third child in a four child makeup. So. <laughs> Harmon's father married his mother when she was 41 years old and he was seven years her senior. Oh no, sorry. And she was seven years his senior. Due to her wealth and substantial dowry, their marriage would eventually bring him. So he was he was reaching, yeah? I mean, he might have had good intentions, we don't know. So she but... was fucking rich, but also old, but he took that chance. Mm. I mean, old for then as well. That's not necessarily old now. <laughs> like, No, but yeah, no. A 41-year-old woman... At that time, you wouldn't expect to then marry. Like, mm. I don't know if I'm thinking this is like a bit more modern than it actually is, but to have a dowry in around 1870, was that still a thing? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, but I, when I think of dowries, I think of like Wuthering Heights and um, Pride and Prejudice, that, that sort of era. Like, when did dowries stop? Well, I mean, dowries are still going on in some places. Yeah, true. But if you think about it, like, 1870 was 
150 years ago? Is that maths right? Yeah, around about, yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. And in Germany, so it's worth, we think of it as England, but in Germany it might be in a whole different culture. So it definitely would have been. But Harmon Senior was known to be argumentative and short-tempered, who through several affairs he conducted throughout the marriage, would contract syphilis in his later years. And surprise, surprise, I imagine he would have passed that on to his wife. Probably. I mean, it's not really relevant, but I think you should know. Well, he was a dirty dog. His dirty dog dad had syphilis. Dirty dog. Yeah. Despite Harmon Senior being authoritarian. Did I get that right? Yeah. It's like you trying to say anonymity last week. Anonymity. That took me ages to try and edit, like, in the end, I just left it in because I was just like, it's just, it's good. I can't, I can't work with this. <laughs> and he had little time for his children. So their marriage lasted until Johanna's death in 1901. So he, I was just thinking how old the youngest would be then. Like if that, if he was still quite young when she died, then maybe that had an effect as well, but he wouldn't have been. Well, Harmon was the youngest. He was 1879, so he would have been 22. Yeah. I mean, it's still young for your mother to die. Like It's not like he's eight years old. You know what I mean? Um, in 1886, Harmon began school, where he was noted by teachers to be spoiled and mollycoddled child who was prone to daydreaming. Although his behaviour at school was noted to be perfect, his academic performance was below average and Harmon had to repeat two separate school years. Harmon grew into a trim, physically strong man and at the age of 15, he enrolled in the military academy. Harmon initially adapted to military life and performed well as a soldier. However, after five months of military service, he began to suffer periodic lapses in consciousness, which, although initially described by medical professionals as being sudden signs of anxiety neurosis, would subsequently be later diagnosed as being equivalent to epilepsy in October 1895. The next month, Harmon discharged himself from the military and returned to Hanover. At the age of 16, Harmon committed his first known sexual offence, all of which involved young boys who he lured into secluded areas, typically cellars, before proceeding to sexually abuse them. He was first arrested for committing offences of this nature in July 1896. Following further similar offences, the Division of Criminal Matters opted to place Harmon in a mental institution in the city of Hildesheim. Hildesheim? Hildesheim. Hildesheim. Hildesheim, I don't know, in February 1897. Harmon would be diagnosed as incurably deranged and unfit to stand trial by a psychologist. Seven months later, Harmon escapes the mental institution with help from his mum. Can you believe that? Harmon fled to Switzerland, the all-famous Switzerland, and there he lived with a relative of his mother and obtained employment as a handyman. Harmon remained here for 16 more months before returning to Hanover in April 1899. Early the following year, he became involved and engaged to a woman named Erna Lowert, who soon became pregnant with his child. Um, and in October 1900, Harmon received notification to person his compulsory military service. So 
and it's kind of hard to um follow it but all these things are really important okay so he joined he voluntarily joins the army at 15 or military academy and then at 16 there's this random sexual offense and then he has to join the military service yeah it's um national service isn't it yeah we had it here yeah we had it here until not too long ago like there's lots going on Mm. okay On October the 12th, 1900, Harmon was deployed to the Alastian city of Colmar. Where's that? To serve in the number 10 rifle battalion. After collapsing while on exercise with his battalion, Harmon began to suffer dizzy spells and was subsequently hospitalised. He was deemed unsuitable for military service and work and was dismissed in July 1902. I mean, was there... I wonder if nowadays people with epilepsy, like, can't join the military. Um, I don't I don't know, like, professions-wise, if there's anything that they're, like, exempt from without being discriminated against, you know what I mean? Like... Colma is a city in France, just so you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not too sure if they're, but yeah. I suppose it comes down to fit, like fitness, isn't it? Fit for work, whether you're fit for work or not. Mm. So they have to do health checks and everything, isn't there? Yeah. Um. Yeah. With financial assistance from his father, Harmon and his fiance opened up a fishmonger's, but there was trouble in paradise as his fiance, while pregnant with his child, terminated their engagement. And according to Harmon, this was because he accused her of having an affair. As the fishmongers was in her name, Erna simply ordered her husband to leave the premises. Go on, Erna. Yeah, Erna. Yes. <laughs> Erna, the queen fishmonger. Yeah. Lucky escape as well, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I can imagine. So, this is where Harmon's criminal career begins. Okay. Obviously, he's already a sexual abuser, but... For the next decade, Harmon primarily lived as a petty thief, a burglar and a con artist. Beginning in 1905, he served several short prison sentences for offences such as larceny, embezzlement and assault. Consequently, Harmon spent the majority of the years between 1905 and 1918 in jail. Due to compulsory conscription resulting from the outbreak of World War I, Germany saw a shortage of available domestic manpower. In the final years of his prison sentence, Harmon was permitted to work throughout the day in the grounds of various manor houses near the town of Rendsburg. Upon his release, he returned to Hanover, where he rented a single-room apartment. Despite police knowing that Harmon was both a known criminal and a homosexual, Harmon gradually began to establish a relationship with Hanover police as an informer, largely as a means of redirecting attention away from himself. By 1919, he was known to have regularly patrolled Hanover Station and to have provided police with information relating to Hanover's extensive criminal network. Police began to rely on Harmon as a reliable source of information regarding various criminal activities in the city. So he's an informer, but then also doing his own thing on the down low. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose it's hiding in place, plain sight a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So let's get on to the murders. So are his victims all male? 
Yeah, so they're all male and they're all quite young. Okay. So despite the fact that he had, well, had a child, I don't know if it was ever proven that that was his child that Erna was carrying. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't want to accuse her of anything. Um, but yeah, despite being engaged to a woman, he like his all his sexual offences have always been men. Young yeah, men, I suppose. Boys. Yeah, but I suppose with it not being accepted at that time. Yeah, totally. It's sort of like a he's gonna find resentment in that as well. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because well, they can't. You can't be who he wants to be. Well, yeah, he can, but like. <laughs> consequences of such i don't know if it was illegal in germany but it was definitely illegal over here wasn't it yeah it would have been illegal yeah um it definitely wouldn't have been accepted mm. so then that's going to come out in range rage all that so it does make a bit of sense so Harmon's first known victim was a 17 year old runaway named friedel roth 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 when Roth dis- disappeared on the 25th of September 1918, his friends told police that he was last seen with Harmon, who at the time resided in a single-room apartment. Police raided Harmon's apartment in October 1918, where they found their informer in the company of a semi-naked 13-year-old boy. He was charged with sexual assault, but there was no evidence that Roth had ever been to that apartment with Harmon. He later confessed to detectives that when they searched his apartment, the head of Roth was wrapped in a newspaper and hidden behind the stove. Okay, so we're just jumping straight into it, are we? <laughs> oh, it's bad. I feel bad to laugh because someone's head was in his stove. No, I know, but like, I kind of expected just to ease into that a little bit more. Yeah, and you're like, oh, like, okay. oh no, the head's behind the stove, by the way. Also, though, like, you've gone in there to raid his apartment and you've missed a severed head. Yeah, yeah. You really need to question your police investigation skills there. <laughs> I mean, we say this every week. We said this about the Japanese case last me. week. <laughs> it honestly baffles me. I suppose the whole point of a raid to think is you go and you think, where could someone hide something? I guess, yeah, you're not looking for just their head. I guess yeah. you're right. Yeah. So between 1918 and 1924, Harmon committed at least 24 murders, although he's suspected of murdering a minimum of 27. All of Harmon's victims were males between ages of 10 and 22, with the majority of whom being in their mid to late teens. The victims were lured back to one of three addresses which, in which Harmon was known to have resided through those years. He is known to have killed upon the premises of assistance, accommodation, work or under the pretense of an arrest. So he would basically, he would approach them and he would say, like he'd, he'd meet like homeless boys or people that were travelling or whatever. And he'd say, oh, like, sorry, I've got a place to stay, I've got food. Yeah. Or because he was actually also... Um, an informer for the police he would like pretend to arrest them yeah it's because i it's because i um read it as because he's known to have killed on those premises like as in at those addresses and that's why Mm. i was like that doesn't make sense but it's just me in my head basically does make sense yeah at Harmon's apartment the victim was typically given food and drink before Harmon bit into his adam's apple you really aren't playing around this week are you sorry often as he was being strangled often this caused the victim to die of asphyxiation but on several occasions Harmon 
bit completely through the victim's Adam's apple and trachea, which he would refer to as his love bite. <laughs> oh that's awful. Okay, oh, it makes oh. me sick. Can you imagine the strength you must have? I haven't even got an Adam's apple and my throat is aching right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine the strength you have to bite through something like that. That's, oh, it makes me fucking Can you sick. imagine, like, oh. That's like yeah. when people tell you that you could bite through your finger like it was a carrot, but your brain tells you not to. Yeah. It, oh, it makes my head hurt. Oh, I just can't. Yeah. In October 1919, Harmon met 18-year-old Hans Granz, who had run away from his home in Berlin. In later confessions, Granz stated that although his sexual orientation was heterosexual, he initiated contact with Harmon with the intention of selling his body. Harmon himself stated, following his arrest, that he viewed Granz as like a son, quotes. Shortly after they met, Harmon invited Granz to move into his apartment and Granz became his lover and criminal accomplice. Again, how do these people find each other? Also, you said you view him like a son, but he's now your lover. That's fucked. Yeah. yeah. According to Harmon, although he was smitten by Granz, he gradually became aware that the youth manipulated and mocked him. A few times, Granz was evicted from the apartment after heated arguments only for Harmon to plead for him to come back. That's a toxic relationship if you've ever seen one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Harmon's subsequent victims consisted of young male commuters, runaways and occasionally prostitutes, who he typically encountered in or around Hanover's Central Railway Station. His second victim was 17-year-old Fritz Frank, Harmon took Frank back to his residence and introduced him to Granz and two female acquaintances. The following day, both these females returned to Harmon's apartment where they were informed that Frank had travelled to Hamburg. Speculation remains as to Granz's knowledge of Harmon's intentions towards Frank. According to Harmon, following the murder, Granz arrived unannounced at his apartment. When he observed Frank's naked body on the bed, he simply asked, when shall I come back? Harmon's third victim was 17-year-old Wilhelm Schultz, no human remains were ever found of Schultz, although most of his clothing was in the possession of Harmon's landlady at the time of Harmon's arrest. Two more victims were known to have been murdered at this property before Harmon moved. These two were 16-year-old Roland Hutch and 19-year-old Hans Sonneneld. In June 1923, Harmon moved into a single-room attic apartment and over the next two years he is known to have murdered the following men. So... I'm going to list all these men. I'm probably going to butcher all their names because they're all German names. So just bear with me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So the following men. 13-year-old Ernest Ehrenberg, Harmon's neighbor's son who disappeared running an errand. His school hat would later be found in Harmon's apartment. 18-year-old office clerk Henrik Struess. Many of his belongings also found in Harmon's apartment. 17-year-old Paul Bonachewski. 17-year-old Richard Graff, who last informed his family that he had met an individual at Hanover Station who knows work, knows of work for me. 16-year-old Wilhelm Erdner. 15-year-old Herman Wolf. 
13-year-old Heinz Brinkman, 17-year-old Adolf Hanapel, who was seen by many witnesses in the company of both Harmon and Granz, 19-year-old Adolf Hennies, whom Harmon specifically admitted to dismembering but denied killing, 17-year-old Ernest Speaker, Harmon later stated that he would simply have to assume this man was one of his victims due to his personal belongings being found in his possession. 20-year-old Henrik Koch, 19-year-old Willy Senger, 16-year-old Hermann Spikart, 16-year-old Alfred Hogriff, 16-year-old Wilhelm Apple, 18-year-old Robert Witzel. Harmon would later state that he killed Witzel, dismembering the boy, and threw his remains in the Lean River. 14-year-old Heinz Martin, all his clothing was found in Harmon's apartment. 17-year-old Fritz Wittig, 10-year-old Frederick Abling, this would be Harmon's youngest known victim, who disappeared while truant from school. 16-year-old Frederick Koch, 17-year-old Eric de Vries, Harmon's final victim. Harmon later confessed that it took him four separate trips to carry the dismembered remains of de Vries to the location which he disposed of them. Wow. All of Harmon's known victims were dismembered before their bodies were discarded, usually in the Lean River. I think I'm saying that right, Lean, Lean, yeah, Lean. Line. Line, yeah. Line River. Although the dismembered body of his first known victim has, was simply buried. Harmon typically kept his victim's personal possessions for himself or for Hans Grans, his lover. Or they were sold on the black market through criminal contacts both the men had established. On several occasions, Harmon and Granz gave possessions belonging to victims to acquaintances as gifts. Following Harmon's arrest, rumours circulated that Harmon ate the flesh of his victims or sold it on the black market as pork or horse meat. Harmon was known to be an active trader in contraband meat, which was invariably boneless, diced and often sold as ground meat. It's the whole Tesco debacle all over again. <laughs> I mean, not quite, but yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's weird though, isn't it? Contraband meat. Yeah, like but this whole... is, was this during the war? So yeah. a lot of it would have been contraband anyway because of ras- what I imagine Jen Well, I don't know. When did World War II start? Well, no, this was 19... This was after World War One. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking World it was during World War One. Yeah. On the 17th of May, 1924, two children playing near the Lean River discovered a human skull. Two weeks later, on the 29th of May, a second skull was found. Both skulls were identified to be that of young males between the ages of 18 and 20. Two more skulls would be found on the 13th of June, and one skull belonging to a male between 11 and 13 years old. Each of the skulls had been removed from the vertebrae with a sharp instrument and one bore evidence to have been scalped. That's like honestly my worst nightmare. It makes like, me feel sick to think that you could actually scalp another human. But it's it's not even just being scalped, it's like <laughs> this goes on so fucking gross. But the image of like the skin peeling away. Like mm. I watched um Doctor Sleep the other night, you know the sequel to The Shining, and she yeah. gets her hand stuck in the straw, 
and the only way she can pull her hand out is to pull but her skin gets caught on the edge of the drawer and her skin's peeling away and I'm just like oh my god awful yeah for more than a year before these discoveries rumours had started to circulate in Hanover about the fate of the sheer number of children and teenagers who had been reported missing in the city the discoveries then sparked fresh rumours on the 8th of June Several hundred Hanover residents searched both the banks of the Lean River and surrounding areas, discovering a number of human bones. Police decided to drag the entire section of the river, and in doing so, they discovered 500 more human bones. Many of the discoveries bore evidence of having been dismembered at the joints, and over 30% of the remains were judged to belong to males between 15 and 20. Suspicion for the discoveries quickly fell upon Harmon, who was known to both the police and the criminal investigation department as a homosexual who had amazed 15 previous convictions for various offences, including child molestation and sexual assault of a minor. I mean, just because he's a homosexual doesn't bring it in, but it obviously... the I mean, obviously he was... Crimes. Yeah, but, but the crimes like bring in towards that is like... It's mad that he got away with it for like 15 years, though. Yeah. 100%. Why is no one watching him? If you all know that he's a child molester and a sexual assaulter, why is no one watching him? Like, back then, you can imagine, most landladies are going to be very nosy, so she must have noticed all these boys coming in and out of the apartment and things. Yeah. Well, she yeah. says, she does. I think she says at one point, like... Oh, does she? People always came in, but no one ever left. It's weird. <laughs> Oh my god. What? It's such a like flippant comment to say, but the actual like gravity so of that creepy, is like, isn't it? Oh. I'm like, yeah, he used to come out with random bags of meat. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah, what do you think that was, hun? Fucking Sweeney Todd all over again. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so on June twenty second, Harmon was observed by two undercover police officers. He was quickly observed arguing with a 15-year-old boy named Carl Fromm. Harmon then approached police and insisted that they arrest this young man on the charge of travelling with forged documents. Upon his arrest, Fromm informed police that he had been living with Harmon for four days and that he had been repeatedly raped. Harmon was arrested the following day and charged with sexual assault. Can I just say, male rape is not something that's really talked about, is it? as no. much as it needs to be that's what and i was gonna say that, earlier when you said like like most of the cases we look at like f- women that are murdered by men yeah i would say it's actually 50 50 yeah like the majority of our murderers bar people that do it with their partner are usually men but the people the victims they do vary yeah i would say it's really even spread out yeah, I was thinking of that specific situation of being taken on the way home from from wherever you're going. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, on the cases we've specifically covered, mm. like, the ones we know about, it is sort of the the odds are a bit of the gender of the victims is more spread out. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the fact that the it is this time, so it is, um, what, 1924? Mm-hmm these boys are coming forward to say, I've been raped. The police are actually listening to them. Yeah. And he's being charged. Like, that's, like, a massive thing. Mm. I don't know if that's just in my head. It's just a bit, like... 
Yeah, but it's sad, isn't it, that that is such a big thing? No, yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm. But, yeah, just, that was interesting. So, following his arrest, Harmon's apartment was searched. Flooring, walls and bedding within the apartment were found to be extensively bloodstained, and Harmon initially tried to explain this as a byproduct of his illegal trading in contraband meat. Why are you putting your meat on the bed? <laughs> What's going on there, Harmon? Come on. Come on. You've got to think smart. I ran out of counter space. <laughs> yeah. Many fellow tenants were also questioned, and they commented to detectives about the number of teenage boys they observed visiting his various addresses. Some had also seen him leaving the property on a number of occasions with sacks, bags, and baskets invariably late in the evening. Because that's never suspicious. No. That makes me think of... Um, you, know, it's yeah, don't, you know, don't fuck with cats where he's throwing up all the bin yeah. bags in the bin. And he wears the victim's t-shirt. Yeah. Like, to go down because he's obviously got blood all over himself. Disgusting. So, the clothes and personal possessions found at Harmon's apartment were suspected as being the property of missing boys. All were confiscated and put on display at Hanover Police Station, with the parents of missing teenagers from across Germany invited to look at them. As successive days passed, an increasing number of items were identified by family members as having belonged to their sons and brothers. Harmon dismissed this by stating that many of these items had been acquired through trading. The turning point came on the 29th of June, when clothes, boots and keys found stowed at Harmon's apartment were identified as belonging to missing Robert Witzel, whose skull had been discovered already. They confronted... When confronted by this and various witness testimony, Harmon broke down and confessed. Ooh. I feel like it's not often that they don't confess. I think once you've been caught, you think, fuck it. But it's also like a... when they've been doing it for so long. I think you get tired of like... gets in the way of it as well. So it's like, yeah, I did it. Like I think you get tired of like the secrets and like hiding. So you just think, fuck mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. I think that's what happened like a little bit with Dennis Nielsen, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like he had a bit of a game at the end, didn't he? Like, oh, I, maybe I did it with this one. Maybe I didn't do this one. Like, mm-hmm. um, But I think in the end, he, he got caught because he was tired of doing it. Yeah. Almost like... Because it was a compulsion, wasn't it? Like a... Yeah. Harmon confessed to raping, killing and dismembering many young men in what he initially described as rabid sexual passion between 1918 and 1924. According to Harmon, he never had the intention to murder any of his victims but would be seized by an irresistible urge to bite onto the adult's apples. I just can't get over that bit. It's just disgusting. Of all Harmon's victims, bodies were disposed of via dismemberment shortly after their murder. And Harmon was insistent that he found the act of dismemberment extremely unpleasant. He had he stated, been sick for eight days after his first murder. Aww. Aww, you Puppy. okay? <laughs> you go so tummy. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, Harmon was insistent that his passion at the moment of the murder was invariably stronger than the horror of cutting and the chopping. Quotes. <laughs> Let's just get that in there. That's a quote. 
which would inevitably follow. No, I was just going to say, that's literally exactly what um, Dennis Nielsen said, really, isn't it? Mm. He said, I didn't like chopping them up, but it was like, I had to. It's to an end, like... I'm sure that, um, like, Jeffrey Dahmer said that as well. Yeah. Well, I suppose if the urge is to kill, it's... The disposal... it's going to be the next step, isn't it? Yeah, the disposal is just a consequence of that kill. Like, it's just something you've got to deal with. Like, mm. Yeah. To fortify himself to dismember his victims, Harmon would pour himself a cup of strong coffee. Get that caffeine in, yeah. Mm. As if you're not already going to be on adrenaline rush from killing someone. He would then place the body of his victim on the floor and cover their face with a cloth before first removing the intestines. Covering the face with a cloth, that's sort of like a a shame thing, don't you Mm. think? It's like he knows he's doing something wrong. So to then have the face of the victim looking at him while he's doing yeah. what he's doing. Like, it's kind of a bit psychological, shall we? Yeah. A towel would be placed inside the abdominal cavity to soak up the blood. He would make three cuts between the victim's ribs and shoulders and then... <sighs> I can see your face before I say this sentence. He would then, quote, take hold of the ribs and push until the bones around the shoulders broke. Okay. (laughs) I'm just seeing mental images. They're just just flying. It's like (laughs) opening up their rib cage. (sighs) It's like when, you know, when you, or I don't know if you've ever watched it, but on like Grey's Anatomy when they crack someone's chest. No, I have never watched that. Just that like, just the crunch, and it's like, oh. <laughs> like you hope it's just for effect, but you know it's not. It's probably going to make that noise. The victim's heart, lungs, and kidneys would then be removed and diced before the legs and arms were severed from the body. The final section of the victim's bodies to be dismembered were invariably the head. After severing the torso from the head, Harmon would use a small kitchen knife to strip the flesh from the skull, which he would then wrap in rags and place face down and bludgeon with an axe until the skull splintered, enabling him to take the brain out. (coughs) Why is he going to so many lengths to get rid of these bodies? Like to dice up the kidneys. <laughs> I and don't rem- know. Like that's, that's a whole other level of sick. Like, there's just no other way to describe he's it. Fucking, mate, he's selling the meat, probably. Oh, God. Harmon was insistent that none of the skulls found in the Lean River belonged to his victims, and that the forensic identification of the skull of Robert Witzel was mistaken as he had almost always smashed the victim's skulls to pieces. Although insistent that none of the murders were premeditated, investigators discovered much circumstantial evidence suggesting that the murders had been planned out days in advance. When asked about how many people he killed, Harmon claimed somewhere between 50 and 70. Okay. (laughs) Casual. The police, however, could only connect him to 27 disappearances and he was charged with 27 murders. 
some of which he claimed were committed upon the insistence of Hans Granz, who was also arrested and formally charged with being an accessory to murder. In August 1924, Harman was judged competent to stand trial. I mean, if his victims were between 50 and 70, the fact that he only got 27 is sad. However... Mm he might be overjudging that, like, to say, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, he's probably I've lost count, haven't people. you? Yeah. So, the trial of Harmon and Grants began on the 4th of December, 1924. Harmon was charged with 27 counts of murder. While he acknowledged his guilt, he claimed to be uncertain of the identification of 13 of these victims. Grants pleaded not guilty to charges of being an accessory to murder in several of the murders. The judge excluded all spectators from the courtroom in the opening days of the trial as each murder was discussed in detail due to the ongoing carnal and gruesome nature of the revelations. The trial was one of the first major modern media events in Germany and received extensive international press coverage being described as the most revolting case in German history. Varying sensational headlines in which Harman was referred to as the butcher of Hanover. That's Which something is, I've heard before. Sorry. Is it? I know I know I said I'd never heard of this case before, but I remember hearing about the butcher of Hanover. Well, I just never I never looked at it. This is him. Yeah. Harman confessed to the ultimate reason he killed was a mystery to him. He readily admitted to killing but denied having sold the body parts of any of his victims as contraband meat. When asked to identify photographs of his victims, Harman became taciturn and dismissive as he typically claimed to be unable to recognise any of his victims' photographs. Several acquaintances and criminal associates of Harmon testified for the prosecution, including former neighbours who testified to having purchased brown or mints from Harmon. Harmon's landlady also testified that Harmon would regularly pour chopped pieces of meat into boiling water and would strain fat from meat. Disgusting. <laughs> I feel fucking sick. A neighbour testified to the alarming number of young men who he'd seen entering Harmon's apartment, but whom he seldom observed leaving the address. This fucks me off. Because why didn't you say anything earlier? Mm. Two females also testified how, on one occasion in 1923, they discovered what they believed to be a human mouth boiling in a soup kettle in Harmon's apartment they took it to the Hanover police, who simply replied that it may be a pig's snout. I don't know okay, about so they you, did try at least. but my mouth doesn't look like a pig's snout. <laughs> yeah. True. At least I don't think it does. I mean, you've never tried to boil it, though, so... <laughs> true. Um, yeah, so at least they tried to do something, but... Yeah, with the neighbour, like, these rumours were, were happening before he was linked do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, also it's five years. It's not like six months, like a quick thing. It's yeah. five years and everyone knows about this guy. Yeah. And it's not like some of them aren't leaving again. None of them are leaving. He's killing mm. all of them. Yeah. And you're also seeing him leave in the middle of the night with all these baskets and bags and barrels and, and stuff. So. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm not going to call the police. Bye. Yeah. I'm going to call the police straight away. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit like the um, what's the Shia LaBeouf film where he thinks his neighbour's a murderer? Disturbia. Yeah, you have I to be there with like. <laughs> that was the first horror film I ever watched. Was it? Yeah. 
It is a good film. So the trial lasted barely two weeks. On the 19th of December, 1924, the court reconvened to impose a sentence upon both defendants. Judged sane and account- accountable for his actions, Harmon was found guilty of 24 counts of murder and sentenced to death by beheading. What? I <laughs> know, oh it's quite fit, isn't it? By beheading. Like, I I didn't even think that was a like thing. In I guess you Western. get guillotines, didn't you? Yeah, but like... This is the 20th century in Germany, in Europe. So I, I reckon like they just thought, you chop everyone's heads off, so we're going to chop your head off. <laughs> Let's see how you like it, yeah? yeah? <laughs> Grounds became hysterical upon hearing that he had been found guilty of incitement of, to murder and sentenced to death by beheading in re- relation to the murders. At 6am 6 6 on the 15th of April, 1925, Harmon was beheaded by guillotine in the grounds of Hanover Prison. No members of the press were permitted to witness the execution, and the event was seen by only a handful of witnesses. Following Harmon's execution, sections of his brain were removed for forensic analysis. An examination of his brain revealed traces of meningitis. Harmon's head was preserved and remained in the possession of the Gottingen medical school from 1925 to 2014 when it was cremated. The discovery of a letter from Harmon declaring Hans Grand's innocence eventually led to the second trial. The letter was dated 5th of February 1925 and was addressed to the father of Grand's. In this letter, Harmon claimed that although he had been frustrated at having been seen as little more than a meal ticket by Grand's, he had no idea that I had killed. Hans was retried in 1926 and was charged with aiding and abetting Harmon in the murders and sentenced to two concurrent 12-year sentences. After this, he was extra-legally interned in Sanschenhausen concentration camp. Following the conclusion of World War II, he continued to live in Hanover until his death in 1975. So, yeah... So that's that. Justice was served, I suppose. I don't know, though. Kind of, this Hans Grands guy, I don't like him. No. I still don't believe in the death penalty. I think it's a bit of a cop-out. No, I don't. But I don't believe... I don't know why... Like, they discovered a letter from Harmon, ooh, after he died, claiming Mm. his innocence. Like... Yeah. Come on. It doesn't say when they discovered the letter, but, like, mm. it is convenient, isn't it? But, um, I mean, he did end up going in a concentration camp, so I guess he got his karma. Yeah, that's maybe a bit more of a punishment than death, I think. Probably, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that I wouldn't know, so. You're obviously, like. But, yeah, it probably was, to be fair. Um... But yeah, that's it. That's the butcher of Hanover, Fritz. Harmon. I'm surprised he went back to Hanover. I know, but um, but Harmon kept doing that as well. No, I know, but people are gonna know who he is after this case. I think no, but not like, by Harman then. Kept going... He's done two concurrent twelve-year sentences, so that's twelve years. Then he's gone to a concentration camp. So when did World War Two end? 1945, 1946. So that's at least 20 years later. 
Yeah. I Probably any. I mean, he's been in prison and then in a concentration camp. He's going to not look like who he looked like before. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if they gave know. people different identities back then. Was that a thing? I don't actually know when that all came in. and Especially when it, if it all came in in Germany. I don't know. No. But, yeah. Cool. Gory. I always feel like a sense of, like... <sighs> I don't even know the word. Like... When it's when we've done a, a podcast, I feel like empty inside. It's like we've got all these like case ideas and stuff in our head. So when one goes, it's like, oh, okay, I've got space. Yeah. <laughs> I've got space in my brain. But now. I also feel like, oh, cool, another not happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that case. And we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. If you did, make sure you follow us on Instagram. I mean, you know the drill by now. Um, is that everything with the girls' pods? I don't think we've got any review, any more reviews on Apple Podcasts. No. So yeah, um, get in yeah. there, guys. If you enjoyed listening to it, review us, subscribe to us, and yeah, we'll be back next week with another fantastic case. Do we know what we're doing next week yet? We could do Kelly Ann Bates. That's a short one, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. So have a great week. Yes, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.